One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I'm Sadie Eck. And I am Courtney Eck. And it's Courtney's night. And yeah. she said it's a good one. It is a good one. This one is a wild, wild, crazy ride. This is a case that is really hard to find information on until I found a whole ass book written about it. So, Ooh, that's lucky. <laughs> yeah, I, I, seriously. And especially because it's so hard to find anything about the victims. But this one, I could have gone mm. on and on and on and on about the victim because I had a whole ass book about her. Um, but I, I just went on as much as is appropriate for, you know, a, a one hour podcast. So this right. is the betrayal and murder of Jill Cahill. So in 1968 in Syracuse, New York, 29-year-old Jill Russell was working as a flight attendant. One night she went out to a bar with some friends for a fun night out, and some mutual friends introduced her to a 26-year-old man named James Cahill, who went by Jeff. Jeff was born in 1960, was the third of six boys, and his family was extremely close. Jeff's mother, Patty, ran a very strict household, and if any of the kids forgot to make their bed before they went to school in the morning, she'd go to school and get them and bring them home to complete the chore. Wow, that's not intense. Yeah, I mean, imagine running a household with six sons, so mm-hmm. got to do what you got to do, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. Jeff was very cute and very well liked by the opposite sex growing up and probably the same sex too, but never really mm-hmm. seemed to notice the attention and didn't really date. Jeff ended up getting a scholarship to attend Cornell University and then took a grueling job at Merrill Lynch where his father also worked. So beautiful Jill and handsome Jeff hit it off immediately and Jill was impressed by Jeff's career as a stockbroker. He was also very funny and intelligent and it seemed like a match made in heaven. Friends say that they were very much in love and that Jill was Jeff's first love. They eventually moved in together, and the only issue that came up in their budding relationship in the beginning was the fact that Jeff's mother, Patty, was a very religious woman and devout Catholic to the point that she could be described as a zealot. Hmm. Patty insisted that her children, even when they became adults, attend Catholic Mass every single day. Every day? 
Yes, even as adults. Jeff attended Catholic Mass every single day. The hold she has on her kids. Holy Mm -hmm. moly. Yippers. One of their childhood friends said, quote, they were a very odd family. They had all these weird nicknames, Howdy, Nipper, Weasel. They were like the seven dwarfs. (laughs) (laughs) Their mother was a very difficult right-wing Catholic. She ruled the boys. If they didn't go to church every day, that was a sin. I remember that she would sit in church, always with gloves on and always in the same spot, in the same pew, facing the altar with the crucifix above it. I used to wonder about it, and then it dawned on me. She always sat at the right hand of God. Oh, Lord. I mean, Quote, I should think of a different, but boy, yes. wow. <laughs> Quote, when they were dating and Jeff would sleep over at Jill's, Patty would leave notes on his car warning him, Quote, you are giving in to the biggest temptation there is. You are going to hell. Jill's oh, sister remembered. Yes. One of Jeff's brothers also recalled a night where Patty woke him up at 3 o'clock in the morning to tell him she was going over to Jill's apartment to confront Jeff and tell him that he needed to go home and, quote, court her properly. Patty but needs a job. <laughs> Something, her, right? Her sons are her job. Yeah. I, well, clearly. Yeah, maybe a hobby other than God and sons, but that's it. That mm-hmm. was her whole thing. But Jill was a gorgeous, fun-loving free spirit who was creative, athletic, and surrounded by equally fascinating people. Jill was born Jillian Catherine Russell in 1957, grew up near Buffalo, New York, and had two siblings. The family lived on working-class wages, but they were very happy and well-loved. Jill was extremely funny and outgoing, and when they played house, she would be the dog because one of her special skills was barking exactly like a dog. (laughs) She Jill. said they said that she wanted to go on um, like D- David Letterman to bark uh-huh. like a dog because she was so good at it. No, she was a massive animal lover and doted on the family dogs, including their hunting dog named Herman the German. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. When the family would go camping for vacation, the siblings would find whatever they could to amuse themselves, and one year they spent the entire week covering a massive rock with moss because it made it look prettier. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. I love them. The siblings called their father Fred Durf because it was Fred spelled backwards, and Jill was a fearless tomboy who would go after anyone who picked on her siblings. Jill went to college for art history and fell in love with a man named Steve Fister, <laughs> who the family called Mr. Fister. <laughs> of course they did. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Oh. I honestly, I could have gone on and on and on. Every detail about him, her and them, I was just like more charming than the last. I say it's so charming. So charming. At one point, oh, and my best friend Tony's little brother had a band called Mr. Fister out of Minneapolis. And I guess at the end, they would be like, you just got fisted. That was yeah. a like, tagline. <laughs> <laughs> so at one point, Jill moved to Texas to marry her boyfriend at the time, but hated Texas because it was, quote, hot and ugly. And there were these little armadillo things. <laughs> <laughs> and so she moved back to New York three weeks later and did not marry uh-huh. that boyfriend. Oh, wow. She did eventually. Her. I know. There's too many armadillos. 
She did eventually marry a man named Greg, and they lived in a lake community with their bunny Barrington, their dog Grace, and Jill went everywhere by roller skate, even up and down the stairs. Shut up. I can't handle it, Courtney. People were like, she was always like, had fresh flowers stuffed into her hat, mm-hmm. and she was roller skating, mm-hmm. and she's like, I mean, like a Breck model, like Breck was a <sighs> 70s shampoo, like gorgeous blonde yes. hair, you know, just, just so much life, just pouring out of her for a minute there i forgot that she was our victim now i'm very sad again i know i know i know it's like every there's like daisy de la o there's um helen whose last name is escaping me the author you know there's there's Mm -hmm. some that hit harder and jill cahill is one of those people So Jill was only 22 when she married greg and so the marriage didn't last but she and greg remained friends Fast forward a few years, and Jeff and Jill were very much in love and very excited to start a family, and so they set Patty's negativity aside and moved in together. They moved to a town called Skinny Atlas, just south of Syracuse, and by that point, it was abundantly clear that Jeff was a terrible stockbroker and was making (laughs) so little money that at times he actually owed Merrill Lynch money. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, that doesn't feel good. (laughs) No. Jill openly encouraged Jeff to quit the job that he hated so much, and she was such an optimist, she told him over and over to just do something that he loved. So he did quit his job as a stockbroker, and since he had a knack for fixing things, he decided to start his own construction business. It was a very good time for the couple, quote, back then Jeff was a totally different person. He was so sweet and kind. He and Jill loved to do outdoor things together, to make gifts for people, to be cozy and alone together. They were both very artistic and creative. They loved their dogs, Snoofy and Nick, said a friend of the family. Every name in this story is so good. So cute. Skinny Atlas is where they live with Snoofy and Nick. It's fucking priceless. So despite the fact that Jeff was a member of a strict Catholic family, just a couple of months after they started dating and moved in together, Jill became preggers. Uh That's what happens. That's what what Laura always says. You know what happens when straight people have sex? They get pregnant. (laughs) Patty was very vocal about the fact that she did not approve of the pregnancy or the marriage and vowed to never give them her blessing for the sinful union. A friend later recalled that Jill told her, quote, Jeff's mother comes to our house and lets herself in. I wake up at 6.30 a.m. and there she is, sitting on the edge of the bed, reading the Bible to us. Oh, no. (laughs) Patty, get a job. (laughs) Patty, get a a job. job. Get Get your... Get your dentist's license. Be a DDS or something. Just get out something. of there. Leave these kids alone. I, I that is just I can't imagine something more upsetting and disconcerting than waking up to my mother-in-law sitting at the edge of my bed reading the Bible to me Ooh, no, without my like, consent. Yeah, I was going to say that's a total violation on so many different levels. Yes. And, oh, Patty, I should I, say, Patty, get a therapist. <laughs> yes, Patty, get on some medications. Mm-hmm. Patty. And get a get, job. Get a meditation habit. Right. Anything. Put the Bible down for a second. Chill out. But Jill was so in love with Jeff, she was willing to overlook her future mother-in-law's insane behavior to be with her son. 
So Jeff and Jill had a very small wedding on a lake, and Patty did not attend. Big surprise. I think Jeff's father did, though. Jeff and Jill had their son, Timothy, in 1988, and Patty did seem to soften a bit after that because he was the first grandchild in the family and called Jill's mother to tell her that they'd created a, quote, very nice specimen (laughs) (laughs) and invited Jill's mother to stay with her when she came to visit the baby to do, quote, whatever it is the mother of girls do. (laughs) Oh, my God. Patty also needs to learn how to relate to people that aren't her. (laughs) There were so many instances of conversations she had with people that were just so off kilter and inappropriate and like awkward Mm -hmm. and straight to the point. So Jill decided to stay at home with the baby. And a lot of that decision had to do with the fact that in Jeff's family, all of the women stayed home to care for the kids. Two years later, Jill gave birth to a baby girl that they named Mary, who was three months premature, but was a fighter and was discharged two months after she was born. Good job, Mary. I know. She had her mama's spirit. So Jeff and Jill bought a farmhouse on a nearby lake that needed a lot of repairs, and the creative couple got to work to bring it back to life. Jill was a magical mother, and one friend remembered that one winter, Jill sculpted a unicorn out of snow in their front yard and used an icicle to make the horn to surprise her kids when they got home from school. I'm going to throw up. And again, like her friends were like, we would rent a limousine every Christmas and just drive around town all dressed up drinking champagne. And like Jill, I mean, just like everything she did. She's like, I couldn't believe it when I pulled up to the house and there was a unicorn, like a two-scale unicorn with an mm-hmm. icicle horn. She's like, it was just so beautiful and special. <sighs> so unfortunately, things had gone downhill a bit financially for the family during that time. As it turns out that Jeff wasn't the best business owner either, mm-hmm. and his construction business was failing. I guess he You're would telling- like... Undercharge or not charge people. Like he just didn't have a heart to charge people. Yeah. So I'm not sure if it was because it was a lost cause or Jeff just got too overwhelmed, but eventually he basically just stopped going to work and the family fell on some seriously hard times. He spent all of his time playing with his kids at home and no time doing anything that would make money or improve their lives or their home. He didn't work on, he stopped working on the house too. Darn it, Jeff. So because women are total badasses, Jill stepped up and started a landscaping business with two of her friends called Flower Fairies. <laughs> and her one friend who who worked with her, she was some sort of like science. She'd gone to you know school for science and she was like, I went down to the courthouse and I couldn't believe that I was registering the name Flower Fairies, but Jill just insisted. <laughs> and so we went through with it. <laughs> So Jill had a serious knack for gardening and landscaping and was so happy to turn her hobby into a business to make money to support her young family. She and her friends were so talented that business quickly became a huge success to the point that they were turning away business because they were too busy. Quote, her gardens were phenomenal, one friend said, and told a story about a rockery and a pond she'd created in her own backyard that would have cost $15,000 to make at the time if she'd hired a contractor. Yeah. They also landed all of the McDonald's, like all of the landscaping for all of the local McDonald's. Yeah. Good for them. Yep. 
So despite her success, the financial strain had a huge effect on Jeff's personality, and everyone said he started to change around that time. He stopped working on their house and completely stopped hanging out with their friends, and Jill would attend all of the events alone. He would only go to their son's baseball games, apparently. Mm. So Jill's brother-in-law went to visit once, and the first thing Jeff said to him, so Jill's brother-in-law hadn't ever met Jeff. The first thing he Mm. said to him was, huh, Jill told me you were fat. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, because Jill had explained that, like he he was like had grown bigger than her. Like she'd known him for since school, you know, and he'd been like mm-hmm. a shrimp, and then he just got really big. So she had not at no point said he got fat, but that was how Jeff interpreted it, and then how he presented it to his new brother-in-law. Yeah, because he came from Patty. Let's not forget yes, her. Exactly. Yeah, fine <laughs> specimen. Ugh. So he said that Jeff also refused to spend any time with them on that visit and wouldn't look anyone in the eye when he talked to them. Oh, Jeff. So at one point in 1996, Jill and her business partners wanted to expand their business and purchase a nursery that had gone up for sale. Jill told Jeff that if the venture did well, she was probably going to leave him. Oh, and no. So, mm-hmm. And so he called the person selling the nursery and sabotaged the deal. Yeah, Jill, honey, no. Yeah, no, I know, no. but also, she, dude, uh, get a well, fucking yeah, grip. Well, yeah, no, I'm not, yes, bra- I'm not yeah. blaming her, but like, oh, no. Don't show your don't, hand. Don't sh- exactly, yes. I, I get the sense that she was probably upset like me and just can't not tell the truth, you know? Mm-hmm. And just like everything is out in the open. There's very little filter happening. Or it came out during close a to. fight or whatever, yeah. Exactly. So everyone slowly came to the conclusion that Jeff's behavior was in part because he was a spoiled mama's boy, and Patty's religious weirdness continued to intensify. One family member said that Patty stood up and started preaching while Mary cut the cake at one of her birthday parties. Jill had tried to involve her kids in the Catholic faith, especially considering Jeff really did go to Mass every single day. But eventually she... He doesn't have time for a job, Court. Yeah, He's true. Go to church every day. Well, depending on which mass you go to, that shit can last like two hours. Those really yes. intense Latin masses that what's his face goes to the actor Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> One of my ex girlfriends' g- grandmothers went to Latin mass with Mel Gibson <laughs> for like two hours every day. <laughs> Was her uh-huh. name Patty? Now that you mention it. Um, But Jill eventually started pulling back because she thought that the Cahills were all going way over the top with their religious fervor. One Thanksgiving and Christmas, Jill refused to take the kids to visit her in-laws, and when Patty confronted her about it and asked if she thought she was too good for them, she responded, quote, No, I am just not going to put up with the bullshit. I think you people are nuts. (laughs) Jill, 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 Jill. So on the 4th of July in 1996, police showed up to arrest Jeff for writing bad checks. Oh. The same summer, Jeff. Jeff, mm -hmm, That same summer, Jeff had started a feud with some neighbors, and one day when Jill was driving her truck, the tire fell off, and Jeff blamed those neighbors for loosening it. Mm Mm-hmm. Jeff started intercepting the utility bills, so Jill didn't know he wasn't paying them until they got (sighs) cut off. And her credit card was constantly being declined. Jeff, just like hold it together. You know, like go get it. Just, 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 oh, I know it's not that. Like, just hold it together, buddy. 
Yep. But if you're a spoiled mama's boy and you just feel... And I know people like this. We all know people like this. I have one friend. He's like so very handsome, super smart, well-educated, just cannot fucking get a job. Cannot do it. Mm-hmm. You know? Has everything going for him. But he's just such a... Everything... Everyone just... He was a golden boy his whole life. And so if things aren't just like falling in his lap, just millions of dollars falling in his lap, he can't... He just can't be bothered. Yeah. So, and Jeff's, one of Jeff's brothers was in the CIA and another one was a stockbroker who was like a multimillionaire. And so God. he was, you know, he was just like, yeah. if it's not that, I don't want it, I think. You right. Know? Yeah. Why so, bother if I can't live up to those expectations? Precisely. So Jill begged Jeff to get a new job to help out and said that she was willing to and to do anything to save their marriage, including moving to another country to start over if it would help. But Jeff refused. Then in 1997, Jill met a tall, dark, handsome man named Tom Tullock, who lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they started a long-distance affair and racked up hundreds of dollars in long-distance bills, and they would rendezvous whenever they could to see each other. Jeff's behavior got worse and worse, and he started drinking a six-pack a day, driving around without registration or insurance. He was borrowing money from people and not paying them back, so they would call and threaten Jill. And he also started writing to famous people to request autographs by pretending that he was writing for a dying relative. No, Jeff, no. Yeah. You already don't have a job. You're just blowing. I mean, everything's falling apart. But then, like, what'd you do today, honey? Did you go on a job hunt? No, I wrote to Tom Selleck. (laughs) Right. and And told him my son was dying, so he would send me an autograph. Yeah. One time, Jill found a box of condoms and a box of makeup hiding in some ceiling panels, and Jeff claimed the makeup was for job interviews and the condoms were his brother's. Okay. It it was, yeah. He was like, I'm holding them for Frank. And they were like, why? (laughs) Frank's an adult, you know? Right. I I think Frank lived with his parents, but still. It was later speculated that he was having sex with someone who wasn't his wife and probably wasn't female. Mm -hmm. So by the end of the winter of 1998, Jill officially wanted a divorce. Jill tried really hard to make the divorce amicable, but Jeff continued to make his own life harder than it needed to be. Two days after she filed for divorce, Jeff was arrested for trying to steal steak, lobster, and shrimp from a Wegmans grocery store. And during the arrest, his truck was seized because it wasn't registered or insured. God. Oh, I'm so tired by him. It's just, just exhausting. You're just such a shitty brat. And you like think you should have all this money. And you're not going to do anything about it. And then you just think that you should just have steak, lobster, and shrimp. And so you just steal it. <laughs> I mean, go big or go home. I mean, go mm-hmm. big or go to jail. Go big or go motto. to jail. Ding dong. At least borrow your brother's car to go steal your steak, shrimp, and lobster. God. So Jeff blamed Jill for the incident, saying that she'd been the one to rack up their debt and had also told him about the affair, and so he'd made poor decisions to steal a pile of meat as a result. That's what he told the police in a written <laughs> statement. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, and they're like, okay, you're free to go. It's 1998. You can go, sir. We believe you. Your wife is a slut and a bitch. Goodbye. All right. So Jill's boyfriend, Tom, moved to New York in March of 1988, but they were very low-key about the relationship and very careful not to flaunt it at all, as Jill was still living with Jeff and the kids. Ugh, I cannot imagine. Mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. Then one day, Jill discovered that Jeff had been recording her phone calls, and when she confronted him, he twisted her arm behind her back and shoved her against a wall, <sighs> so she threatened him with a knife. Jeff also started following her in his car, and one of Jill's best friend's husbands said that she couldn't visit them anymore because he was so scared by Jeff's behavior. Oh, he also no. They also installed a fucking alarm system. He, got, he was so spooked wow. out by Jeff. Yeah. Jill, on the other hand, swore that Jeff would never hurt a fly and would never hurt her because of their kids, but she was excited to get out of the relationship. Oh, God. And we'll, we'll talk about it more later, but everybody didn't go into it a ton in the book, probably, because I don't remember when the book was written. It, I should probably shout out the book, too, since I leaned on it so heavily. One moment. While She Slept, A Husband, A Wife, A Brutal Murder by Marion Collins. They, people who knew them speculated that Jeff was gay and that Jill was sort of a trophy you know, it was like mm-hmm. what he was supposed to do. And they're like, no doubt he really enjoyed her in the beginning. But over time, his inability to perform and his homosexuality just sort of, and his mother's like crazy Catholic pressure and like control just cracked him, you know, just yeah. cracked him in half and he just couldn't, couldn't do it. So by April 9th, a separation agreement had been signed and they agreed to split custody of the kids and Jeff would get the house as long as he paid Jill $76 per month. Jill was allowed a, quote, reasonable amount of time to move out of the house and so she stayed there while she hunted for a new place to live. On the weekend of April 18th, Jill took the kids to visit her family and they said she was so excited about moving on and what the future held. Meanwhile, Jeff was telling people back home that she had been acting erratically lately, had been threatening to kill herself, and he and his brothers had started telling everyone in town that she'd been sleeping around behind his back. Jill's family said that she really dragged her feet when it was time to leave that weekend, and they encouraged her to stay if she was feeling scared of Jeff. She insisted that he would never hurt her and joked to her sister that if he killed her, she could have all of her stuff before she left. That's just so sad. So chilling. So Jill called her family when she got home and said that she was safe and that Jeff had actually cleaned the house and made dinner for them when they got home. She called again the next day, however, and said that Jeff was acting strangely and had taken their kids to the same park three times that day. Oh, no. Then on April 21st, at 5.34 in the morning, police were called to investigate an incident at the Cahill home and were told that a bat and a knife had been involved. They arrived to find two men on the front porch. One was fully dressed and the other one was in just his shorts and he was covered in blood and had superficial cuts on his left hand and arm. Police found Jill on the floor of the kitchen, which was absolutely covered in blood, with her skull bashed in, but Mm. she was just barely alive. Mm. 
there were two men and a woman in the room with her, and one of them said he was a doctor. An ambulance was called, and police learned that the people in the kitchen were Jeff's parents, Patty and James Cahill, and the men on the porch were their sons, Jeff, Mm -hmm. and his brother, Kevin. No. The other man was a family friend and doctor, John Kelly. So police questioned Jeff. Mm -hmm. It's a family affair, Sadie. It's like a scene out of the Twilight Zone. It's a family affair. I just got so many chills. Yeah. It's... Just absolutely fucking chilling. So police questioned Jeff, who claimed that he had acted in self-defense and that Jill had attacked him in the upstairs bedroom around 4.30 a.m., and he'd grabbed a bat to defend himself when the argument continued downstairs, and she had grabbed a knife to attack him. And he was like, see? I've got these cuts. (laughs) His children were huddled upstairs in their parents' bedroom at the time. Jeff claimed that he'd hit Jill once in the mudroom and then again in the kitchen, but there was blood sprayed literally everywhere, including on the outside patio. And it also appeared that someone had tried to clean up the blood in the mudroom before the police were called. God, come on, man. So Patty said that Jeff had called them first to tell them what happened and that they'd arrived with a jar of holy water and had called the senior citizen emergency line. So I don't know what that exactly the difference is between the city. I'm assuming that's like if you've fallen down or something, it's a line dedicated to senior citizens. But instead of calling 911, the brother had called the senior citizens emergency line. So police found that one of the cars parked out front had a hose attached to the tailpipe and the window was open a bit. Uh-huh. So police then questioned the kids who said that the argument had started between their parents around 2.30 a.m. Uh-huh. and not 4.30 a.m. And Mary specifically had looked at her clock when she'd woken up and heard them fighting. So Jeff and Patty spoke more with the police, and Patty claimed that Jill had attacked Jeff with a knife three weeks before as well and had also threatened suicide, and they had paperwork to prove it. <laughs> Jeff's brother, Kevin, said that Jeff had called them at 5.30 in the morning to tell them about the fight, and so Kevin had immediately called emergency services, and they'd all left to head straight to the house, except I think, I think their father went to get the doctor, or the, anyway, somebody went to get the doctor, and then they all ended up at the house. So <laughs> police were like, mm, who tied a hose to the tailpipe? How... Did you have time to collect this doctor, you know, and come and wake him up and explain the situation? And obviously, like your kids are saying, it happened three hours ago, not an hour ago. So at a minimum, Mary's or Jill's been laying on the ground bleeding with her head bashed in for one hour, but more likely she's been laying there for three hours while Mm -hmm. he tried to clean up the crime scene, potentially tried to kill himself had a little family fucking powwow and later reports said that the family doctor they were like well let's just bring a doctor over there and see how bad it is and the family doctor was like are you fucking kidding me you have to call 911 right now wow, and if he hadn't yeah. said it they wouldn't have they they were just we're like well let's just it. take this one step at a time and just oh. see just make sure little jeff jeff didn't get you know let his anger get the best of him Yep. I just, that's so crazy. Well, it gets crazier, Sadie. Strap in. 
So Jill went into emergency surgery and was put into a medically induced coma after the fact because her injuries were so severe that they had to keep her head completely still while she healed if there was going to be any chance of survival. Jeff was arrested for Jill's attack while he was having the wounds stitched up on his hand that he claimed Jill had given him with the knife. He told police that Jill had woken up for two or three nights that week and grabbed him by the head and started screaming at him, which is what Mm. she'd done that night. He said that he'd then headed downstairs to get away from her, but she'd follow him and the fight had ensued and that he'd immediately called his parents for help after he realized how badly she'd been injured. He also said that his children had both come down at separate times and seen the fight happening. Police immediately started poking holes in his story as nothing that he said added up, and his bail was set at $200,000, which his father happily paid in cash that night. Jill continued to fight for her life, and while she had several setbacks, she also actually showed signs of improvement So her family remained hopeful that she would eventually recover from the horrible attack. And then after about a week, Jill actually woke up and just started talking. Of course she did. Yep. She immediately asked about her kids, and when she was told they were with Jeff's parents, she demanded that they get them away from there. She was able to walk pretty soon after that, and while her short-term memory was still pretty fuzzy and she was confused a lot, her long-term memory was still very much intact. It's incredible. I know. And in the book, they talk about, like, specifically what had happened to her. And, like, the entire back of her head had been removed. I mean, she would, you know, <sighs> her skull had been, her brain had been dislodged. No. And she fucking, like, one week later, wakes up and just <laughs> starts talking to everybody. Yep. God, uh... By Mother's Day on May 10th, Jill was well enough to see her kids, and soon after that, she started to remember what happened when Jeff attacked her. Her parents said that they walked into her room, and she said, quote, Do you believe what that son of a bitch did to me? (laughs) But then she said something chilling. She said, He's going to finish me. Oh, she told her sister some memories she had of the night, and she said that he'd hit her from behind and then hit her again as she tried to cover her face with her arms and hands. She said that he used his foot to hold her down after she fell to the ground, and later he dragged her into the woods where he hit her in the head with a shovel. She kept saying, oh. leading up to that, too, did somebody hit me in the head with a shovel? Like she, They said that she kept saying it, and then she wow. remembered that, yes, in fact, he had hit her in the head with a shovel. He said that a couple of weeks before he tried to kill her, he'd attempted to get her into the basement so he could show her some tools, but she'd refused. By the end of June, Jill's progress stalled, though, when she developed meningitis and had to have a series of operations, 15 in total, to to relieve the various issues that arose from the infections. She would, like, get it, and then it'd go away, and then, you know, it was just, like, fevers, and every time they opened her up, it would, like, get new meningitis, and it was just, like, they had to put shunts in her face, and, I mean, like, she was paralyzed on one side, like, all this trauma, 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 trauma. By the middle of July, she was in really bad shape and had become unresponsive, but by early September, she seemed to start to slowly improve. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and by the end of October, she was able to sit up and say a few words again. Chill. 
She had a long road ahead of her, but she seemed to be out of the woods once the meningitis was under control. Then on October 27th, six months after the attack, Jill had a really good day and her entire family had visited because they were all in town for a fundraiser they'd thrown for her. Her neurosurgeon had also announced that she did, in fact, have a long road ahead of her, but he was confident that she was completely out of the woods and would likely recover. Then around 10 o'clock p.m., an orderly at the hospital spotted a janitor in the hall that looked out of place and was wearing the wrong color uniform for the staff. He also didn't have a name on the name tag where it was supposed to be, and his hair looked out of place. That guy reported the, the suspicious janitor to the nurse on duty, who of course immediately thought of Jill. When they got to Jill's room, her face was blue and she was gasping for air. Oh my God. Yep. The air was thick with the smell of almonds. There was a white substance on her chest and clothes. Uh-uh. And, mm-hmm, and there was a white bottle cap nearby. She was pumped full of cyanide antidote, <sighs> but never regained consciousness. <sighs> And the next day, October 28th, she was taken off of life support and died six months after Jeff had brutally assaulted her while his children watched. (sighs) Yep. Oh. Yep. I just can't even. Sorry for the roller coaster, guys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, what do you say? That's just the worst thing I've ever heard. Yep. And check this out. Check out this fucking maniacal, deviant, piece of shit, fucking psychopath. So Jeff had done research and found a company just a couple of miles away who used cyanide in their manufacturing. Then on July 7th, he dressed in a button-down shirt and a maroon hat and practiced to see how hard it would be to convince a UPS driver to give him packages addressed to that company if he pretended to work there, and it worked very easily. So he saw the UPS truck drive up, and he was like, hey, you know, are you delivering anything to JPS uh, Manufacturing? And he was like, yeah, as a matter of fact. He's like, great, I'm, I work there, I'm headed in, I'll take him in. And just gave him the packages. And he said that he started to walk away and was like, I need a name for it. And he was like, Smith. And he was like, okay, thanks. So Jeff then found out who would order chemicals for the company, like the specific employee at the company who would have done the ordering, forged company letterhead, and ordered cyanide to be delivered to the company that he could then intercept. Jeff started hounding the UPS driver every day for any packages that were for the company, but the driver had changed his route last minute. Uh So the first two times he ordered the cyanide, Jeff missed the deliveries. Oh, man. So he had to keep ordering it. Oh, my God. Eventually, the driver got suspicious and reported him to the person who received the orders for the company. Later that day, Jeff pulled up in the Jeep Wrangler that the UPS driver said had been stalking him, and the man who received the orders wrote down the license plate number. Wow. I mean, too little too late, but good. Mm Mm-hmm. So eventually, Jeff ordered another shipment of cyanide and stalked the receiving dock until the clerk took a break and then just stole the package from the dock instead of trying to intercept it from the disgruntled UPS driver. I mean, there's got to be an easier way. Well, he, I mean, it is really smart because he's like, yeah. you can't just order cyanide to a residence, you know, right. you can't just get it. I mean, I'm, there's lots of other poisons, but it is a very effective 
right. poison, right? I'm sure arsenic yeah. is the same way. I guess you could try rat poison, but if you want to kill someone swift, swiftly and just sort of like... Right. Get in and get out. Yep. Yeah. That would be the way to do it. So meanwhile, the woman in charge of accounting for the company was mystified to find out that two very small orders of cyanide had come in in her name, but she had not ordered them and that a third order had also come through and immediately disappeared. And she was like, when we order cyanide, we order like 2,000 gallons of it. You know, we don't right. order like a like vial vials of it. Or yeah. Whatever, yeah. So police were called and they ran the license plate that the clerk had taken down, but it was registered to Mark Cahill, Jeff's brother. Mm-hmm. And since the company was in a neighboring town, they weren't aware that Jeff was Mark's brother and had recently God. tried to kill his <laughs> wife. I'm just going to throw yep. my table over. God. Yep. No one had followed up with Mark to see why he forged documents to order three batches of cyanide uh, and had that? stolen one. A report was That's, filed, but no follow-up occurred. That seems like an important step to complete. Yeah. Just Ask a couple questions. Yo, bro, you're doing some uh, mid-level manufacturing at your home. You know, like, just level with me. What you making in there? <laughs> You know, like, what the fuck, you guys? It's poison. He, This guy's, yeah. like, actively Clearly. trying to steal poison. Right. Somebody is trying to get oh. So Jeff had then snuck into the hospital to pinpoint exactly where Jill's room was and then dressed as a janitor and snuck in for a second time through the fire stairs, then entered Jill's room and poured cyanide down her throat. Mm-mm. Yep. Mm-mm. Jeff was immediately arrested for Jill's murder, and while police were searching his home, Jeff's brother Mark pulled up with Patty, who said that she needed to go into the house to get a shirt for Jeff because he was cold in jail. Oh my God, give me a fucking break. The detective told her to give one of her husband's shirts for her, quote, poor cold son. (laughs) (laughs) And Mark and Patty proceeded to drive around to the backyard, and when the cop followed them, and asked what the hell they were doing, Mark said he just needed to check on a piece of equipment behind the shed. This time, police searched the area behind the shed and found a bottle of cyanide. Oh, you don't say. You don't say. Those motherfuckers. Yep. Can you imagine for one second that your son beat his wife within an inch of her life in front of your grandchildren? Nope. And then that motherfucker waited six months and snuck in there and tried to poison her to death. And then you are going to help him cover up the murder Mm -mm. with your other son. No, no. (sighs) I can imagine still loving my son, even though they did terrible things. But I cannot imagine doing that shit. Nope. Shielding him from consequences of being a fucking, like, actual heinous monster person. Yeah, no. So armed with a mountain of other evidence, the DA ordered Jeff three separate plea or offered three Jeff three separate plea deals to avoid the death sentence, and he turned down all of them. <laughs> and in the end, he was indeed sentenced to death. Yeah, because that's what happens. Yeah, stupid idiot. 
<laughs> yes. I'm just so mad. Well, I know. Well, and he, you know, he's like, well, I didn't do it. Self-defense, so you're definitely not going to kill me. Just not mm-hmm. gonna, you know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sentence, yeah. unfortunately, was overturned in 2003 because, quote, the prosecutors in Mr. Cahill's case had argued that he poisoned his wife, Jill, with cyanide in 1998 to keep her from testifying against him. But the majority on the Court of Appeals concluded that the evidence showed that he, quote, was motivated to poison his wife because their marriage and family life was being destroyed by marital problems, not to silence her. Oh, that's quote, stupid. Mm, yep. <laughs> so basically, uh, yeah, they were like, that is an aggravated murder to, to mm-hmm. silence her, to keep her from testifying is aggravated. To just kill her because you don't like her? That's reg murder. That doesn't... Wow. Yes. Yep. You're not like tampering with a witness at that point. You're just murdering the wife, your wife and mother of your children. children. Yep. No big deal. But this just overturned the death penalty. It didn't overturn the sentence. Okay. Correct. So he is now serving life in prison and will not be eligible for parole until 2036. (sighs) Motherfucker. Uh, Eligible for parole. Yeah. Well, and he almost got paroled because New York uh, recently was talking about a elderly like parole mm-hmm. thing where they were like, let's just let everybody out at fifty five, which fifty five is not elderly. Yeah. Are you kidding me? No. No. Nope. Seventy five, maybe. Yeah. Maybe eighty five. Sure. Fine. But fifty five. Sure. Yeah. And in the article, they 55? were specifically like, yeah. They were like, you know how many murderers are over fifty five? Yeah, I would say I'm like probably more people murder over the age of fifty five than yes. under. I mean, that's not what? true at all. But yeah, by the time you're fifty five, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, yes. here's something you don't know in your twenties: the older you get, the more jaded and angry you get. You know, yes. you just like you don't give a fuck. You don't care about right. what people think of you. No. Shit's annoying. Shit's yes. achy and hurty. You get more yes. desperate. You don't want to do yeah. stuff. You know, you'd make mm-hmm. stupid decisions as you get older, in my opinion, because you're just over it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think wow. that that went through. But um, he would have been up for parole had that happened. Ugh, gross. So Jill's parents took custody of her children, Tim and Mary, and her sister Debbie worked tirelessly for years to pass Jilly's Law, which would force the courts to take the brutality of a crime into consideration when determining bail, and it was passed by the State Assembly and Senate, but I couldn't find any information about whether the governor signed it into law. Which is weird. It into law, Governor. I know. It's really weird. It's like they have a Facebook page and it's like great news. It's going to the Senate tomorrow. And then the, like no more posts. And I looked through all the comments and I looked Ugh. on the fucking New York State law website. I mean, I I don't know. But hmm. well, hopefully that just was the end of the celebration because it all went fine and now that law is in place. I would assume so. So regardless, Jill's life was not in vain and her passing has touched the lives of thousands yes, of people. Yeah, mine, man. I know. So that, my darlings, is the <laughs> roller coaster betrayal and murder of Jill, sweet, angelic, fucking rock star, mother of the year, person of the century, Jill yes. Cahill. Wow. And the masculine <gasps> fragility that was that piece of garbage. So many things, so many layers to this one. Like, 
Oh my God, so many layers. I don't want to go too much into the homosexuality stuff because I feel like that's a, you know, I don't want to feel, I don't want people to feel like home, oppressed homosexuals just kill people. Oh, but no. you can't not let your children be who they are. You can't pressure right. them into being, you know, who you want them to be and who you think your God wants them to be and then expect everything to be okay, right? Right. Right. And regardless, you know, like that, that I'm sure made it a million times worse for Jeff. Yeah. But like, how do you have seven boys and treat them with the way six, but they yes. were treated? Mm-hmm. Oh, six. And yeah. Treat them the way they were treated and not expect at least one to snap at some point. Right. Right. I'm not yeah. excusing Jeff at all, but I'm just no. saying that the, the odds are not in your favor that you're going to come out with six well, semi well adjusted people no there i mean at a minimum he's going to have like a drug addiction or you know right just right be a, yeah. just be weird <laughs> yeah right Ugh. yeah worst case scenario just, he's actually gay and like fucking so spoiled and pampered that he can't control anything about himself and then gets so delusional that instead of just getting a divorce he just fucking double murders his wife in the most right. horrific ways Yep. The one person that would have most likely supported him through that. Like, had he admitted yep. his yep. homosexuality, if it was there, you know, and she would have been like, okay, let's figure this out or whatever. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, her friend said, too, that she was super supportive of him. Like, even when the bills were getting shut off or she'd be out and her credit card would get declined, she'd be like, oh, you know, just making excuses. And not necessarily in a codependent way, but just in a very mm-hmm. optimistic way. She just didn't care, you know? It, it, not, didn't care, but she was not concerned. It mm-hmm. didn't... She figured she, it would work out. Yeah. Yep. And she... And they were all... They all said, too, if she hadn't met Tom, she probably would have just kept going because she was fine. Like, she... <laughs> You know, she was like, they. she and Jeff didn't have sex, but they were co-parenting and they had this beautiful house that they worked on together, you know, and she was like very content to just have her business and have her kids and have her friends. You know, she had a really rich, beautiful life, but then she met Tom, you know, of course, I'm not blaming Tom at all, but <laughs> then she met somebody who like made her truly happy. Mm-hmm. But they did say, yeah, otherwise she was very loyal to Jeff and she was very careful to not hurt him any more than was necessary in the process of getting the divorce because she didn't want to hurt him, you know? Right. Oh, Joe. I hate it. I know. I'm just so glad that she had so much time on earth and that she got to have her kids, and I hope her kids are okay. I didn't... I hope so, too. Yeah. I didn't look to see if they were around, but if any of our loyal listeners who are really good at finding stuff like that... um, I'll look too. I just literally ran out of time because I had to read a whole ass book about this one. I happily yeah. read a whole ass book about this right. one. Um, yeah. If any of her family ever listens, or uh, I'm just yeah. so, 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 so deeply sorry. And her loved truly, her friend. Truly, sorry. Truly, truly. Yeah, there was a dateline about her, but it is gone, wiped from the earth. Everything. <laughs> there's so many things I kept being like, I don't know where I heard about this case. But it's been on my list forever. And I'd be like, oh, sweet, a dateline. Oh, sweet, a, you know, this. And then every time I went to look for the thing, 
I actually thought the book had been wiped from Amazon, but I found <laughs> I finally found it on Kindle. It's but probably Patty. Patty's probably like buying all the books and canceling <laughs> all the shows and like Seriously. working her weasel ways through the you know like yeah. keeping her son, precious son's story uh, away exactly. or something. Exactly. Exactly. Even pastor. Truly, I actually signed Even, up for YouTube TV to watch the episode because I thought it was on there. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no. So I probably would have gotten to hear from her kids if I if I had found it but it's gone yeah come I'm just realizing that Patty might not be with us any longer she's probably pretty old well I'm sure she did everything in her power to be a nightmare to those families and they said too I mean there's a lot in the book about how uh she (laughs) the, the family just kept spreading rumors around and just like disparaging Jill and at one point, um, God, I wish I could remember exactly what she said. But Jill was still alive, and she called Jill's mother and started saying just a bunch of weird shit. Oh God, what was it? It was just like very innocuous and completely inappropriate. I mean, it wasn't like mean or cruel, but it was just weird, you know. Like, mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna come to visit her. You know, I want to see my grandchildren, and then like talking about you know, grocery shopping or something, you know, just something so right. bizarre. And the mom was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, this is, right. my daughter's fighting for her life and you want to talk about this weird other thing. So yeah. Ugh. Yep. And she clearly tried to cover up the murder, you know, hide evidence. Like, yeah. I'm so yeah. surprised there wasn't any charges brought against her. I know. I know. Probably right. because they didn't ever catch her actually committing a crime. Like there's no way to prove, you know, that she was going to get the cyanide, but clearly she was going to get the cyanide. And yeah, no, don't, nope, 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 nope. Yep. Special place in hell. Hmm. Well, and good one, Court. Thank you. Um, and you know who doesn't get to go to hell? Name time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Sadie. Name time does not get to go to hell. If you're new <laughs> to this podcast. Uh, and you want to know what name time is, where it originated, go back to the episode about Charlotte Grabby, I don't two years ago now. All right. Listen to that one. It's it spurred um, this now tradition, this weekly tradition of us reading names that you all sent us that are to be celebrated. And so here's a name time. <laughs> Alrighty. I was doing some voiceover auditions for my podcast, my other podcast, Please Leave. If you like horror, go listen to it. It's I think it's great. It just gets better and better. And I had somebody apply or audition for it, and her name is Shiraz Engineer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. I have That's I have amazing. engineered a Shiraz or two in my life. Wow. Uh, what about Mary Berry? Um, yes. What Check. about Emma Emma Topping? <laughs> what I about you were going to say Emma Tema? Both <laughs> I like. <laughs> no topping. What about Magdalena May McNutt? Oh my God! Yes. I'd love what it. about somebody who tried to friend me on Facebook named Holly H O L I Meep? <laughs> yes. Um, this one has a bit of a story to it. Someone says, 
So the, a listener called, named their dog Logan six years ago, and their son always called him Blogan <laughs> <laughs> for the first three years of his life. Then the listener started dating a guy who they are now fianced to, who gradually developed the nickname Blogan Wallace Esquire the Third <laughs> for absolutely no reason. Um, he responds to it still after two years of this nonsense. And I love that there was never a Blogan Wallace Esquire the first or second. They just jumped straight to the third. <laughs> Blogan is so Blogan. Uh, somebody had a teacher, somebody's uncle had a teacher in primary school called Miss Hap. <laughs> <laughs> There is also a lady called Trish Titsworth. Oh, yes. <laughs> and they, the same listener checked an ID lately, and the girl's name was Angela Beetlebug Ruby. Oh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> yep. So also this weekend, my family came for Thanksgiving, and my mother got a Facebook request from a person named Gruth William. <laughs> And said he was like, no way, that's not real. And I confirmed that, yes, indeed, there is somebody on Facebook named Gruth. <laughs> Gruth. William. Gruth. Uh, which also led, while researching Gruth William, I found a Bill Groot. That's also a name. <laughs> so cute. Uh, somebody was reading about a defunct hamburger chain called Little Tavern, whose trademark was purchased by a business person, James Cumbest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, there's a Princeton, yeah, Princeton King. Yes. Princeton King. <laughs> yeah. Like, Cute. So they know yep. where they're going in life. And another listener was watching an old Judge Judy episode, and it was Ball versus Cheney, pronounced Cheney. So it was Ball and Cheney. Cheney. <laughs> they said they were a couple, and it didn't end well. I bet not. I might have read this one before, but Sadie and I were in South Bend, Indiana this weekend, and they have a Kenneth G. Fine Coins, which I think is so funny. <laughs> I don't think you've read that one. <laughs> Kenneth G. <laughs> um, last name Sweetman. Uh, the name High Boy. The name Gonzalo Gonzalez. Oh. The name He Ha. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. The names Radiance, Royalty, and Peaches, which no. leads me to our friend Megan Gwen's new doctor, Dr. Glorious Dunkerley. Oh my god, <laughs> Dr. Glorious Dunkerley. Dunkerley. And somebody I wanted to add to the list that it's never really dawned on me because it's a name we've heard so many times we don't even think about how funny and adorable it is, but... The man, the myth, the legend, Tom Hanks. His last name is Hanks. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? Hanks, like. Like Hanks. Hank. It's, it's so cute. <laughs> Do you think so? Yes. What is a Hank? What is a Hank? Well, the name Hank is so cute for a first name or a last name. Hanks. It's so cute. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just saw a TikTok about him like two days ago. I, I did he's a too. And that's asshole. What, yeah, yeah, but he's a dickhead. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we all probably knew it, but I'm still going to just, I just love Castaway. Tom just, Hanks. Yeah, to go ahead and believe mean, that Tom Hanks is not a total fuck. And wasn't he dating like a much younger woman and all this weird shit? Yeah. 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 Whatever. You got to kill your heroes. They're all terrible. I just don't want to know because I know they're all right? terrible. Yep. I know. Yep. I uh, picked up two new rat friends from Ginger Spoon, if you remember from last episode. Mm-hmm. We decided to name them Lentil and Donna. But you're just... Donna is such a good name. Such, such, mm-hmm. such a good name. Everyone should be it. named Donna. They're very scaredy still. We've had them about two days, and they just haven't quite figured out the world. But Donna came out. <laughs> it's just so funny. Uh, Donna came out uh, today for the first time, and I really got a good look at her. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, she's she's so cute and like kind of... Uh frazzled and it's just and lentil is adorable yeah lentil is like little much smaller and very dark brown like almost black oh i want to get to know them but i can't force myself on them yep gotta be natural about it yep yep let's go donna i know it so Um, anywho real quick i wanted to say we've gotten a lot of people asking about that I was talking about Invisible Choir. I have a tendency to do this, and I'm so sorry. I'm always like, you know, that one serial killer. And everyone's like, which serial killer? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Sorry. I'm sorry. Find yep. Out. Yep. Um, no, the Invisible Choir episode, there were two. We were referring to two separate episodes. The first one is is on the main feed. It's called The Spider. It might be the first episode of Invisible Choir. It's early in their feed. It's mm. I think the whole, somebody said it was like number seven or something, but yeah, it's super early. Yeah, early. It's so good. And then the I looked up the episode that we were referring to that you should not listen to because uh-huh. it's deeply traumatizing. It is on their Patreon, and it is the episode Miss Debbie. Ugh. Ugh. Can't even God. think about it. I know. And I knew the moment I said that, that like, you know, hundreds of people would rush to listen to it because I would do that. But mm-hmm. I'm telling you I guys, did. I'm telling when you. When you told me not to listen to it, I did. And then I re- deeply regretted it <sighs> and had to turn it's it off. So fucked up. It's a 911 yeah. call. It's the most fucked up 911 call I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. So there don't, you go. Don't do it. You You're just make them do it more. I, well, I do want everyone to support Invisible Choir because it is such a good podcast. But yeah, yeah, that that a lot of people asked about it, so I thought I'd bring it up and clarify because it's sort of irresponsible. And if somebody was talking about our podcast, I would want them to be a little bit more clear. I guess not irresponsible, right? but yeah, it just wasn't helpful. Stop so. being so irresponsible, Courtney. <laughs> You're not playing with people's <laughs> lives. <laughs> They have to email us, and we have to respond to them. Yes. <laughs> For oh clarification. Um, we have a lot going on tonight. I think we should do, like, two Patreon shouty outies. Yeah, I don't that's wanna, what I was thinking. Yeah, I don't want to leave them hanging, but I, we are running out of time. So yep. and speaking uh, if, you of, want, if you want to support us, you can go to our Patreon. It starts at $5. On up from there, you get goodies and ad-free episodes and ex- one bonus episode a week. Yes. And I have full intentions of starting to put uh, goodie bags together for those that joined recently. And by recently, mm-hmm. maybe the last four or five months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry if you've been waiting. Um, and I'm not 
going to talk about it a lot tonight, but I did recently get my ADHD diagnosis. Yeah! Hooray! I've been medicated for not even a week yet, and oh my god, the difference. So we'll talk about that more next episode. Yeah. Um, But I really think that I'll probably actually really do what I'm saying I'm going to do with like full intentions and ability and probably get it done in like an hour when it normally would only, it would take me like seven weeks. You will. To do, right? You will. Oh yeah. Today it's on my I, list. I got my COVID booster yesterday and I, they fucking take my ass down and I researched to see if my medication would interfere with the vaccine and the second I confirmed that it didn't, gulp. And I, <laughs> I wrote, uh, I wrote an episode for Patreon I edited an episode for Please Leave. Mm-hmm. I started finishing another episode for Please. I was just like, yes. While on the ba- on the couch on my back, like racked with aches and pains. That shit. Hey, no, it's incredible. The it's things incredible. I get done now, or yeah. like being. Anyway, I we're not going to talk about it. I'll, yeah. We can talk about it next episode. Yeah, um, it's incredible. We'll check in so, with they will pill for sure. Yes, yes. Um, but so, if you want some goodies soon. Sign up like tomorrow. Or wait, no, yeah. wait. I'll I'll give it a couple days. Sign up the first of the month, which is a couple days from now. When is it? There you go. Christmas yeah, goodies. So, right. Sign up the first of the month. I will send you Christmas cookies. Just kidding. Better than that. Thank you so much to it's either Lisa or Lissa. It's L-I-S-S-A S. Listen, Lisa or Lisa, S, it doesn't matter who you are. Everybody knows you and you're nameless. You're like an entity, like gray matter, but cooler and sexier, kind of like gravity. You pull us all down and you keep us on this earth and you don't need a name because you just are. You're everywhere and you're all around and everybody knows the sound of your name, even though they don't know how to pronounce it because it doesn't matter because you just are <laughs> you just I want to be your gray matter <laughs> I want to be so uh, like omnipotent that I just am like Lisa Lisa <laughs> yes right yes that'd be amazing you know who else is amazing yeah, who else do we have? Who? Uh, what other omnipotent being has graced us with their presence lately? <laughs> Thank you so much to Tracy L. Tracy, like tomorrow comes another day and Tracy is around and she goes and goes and she goes to town because <laughs> everybody that I love goes to town and we're all in this town but Tracy is the queen and we hold her up so she can be seen from the highest mountain in their town which we all at Patreon spend a lot of time on according to me but Tracy is at at the very highest mount and never comes down because she's too high to come to the ground and everybody looks and exalts her name Tracy, Tracy, make it rain and then she goes like with the money and the people and they all (laughs) dance around and they're having so much fun because Tracy is the one Tracy is the one (laughs) Yes, she is <laughs> and Lisa Lissa is the gravity that pulls the money down 
as she's making it rain from the mount. <laughs> we love you guys so we love you motherfucking much. So we much. Can cannot get enough of it? you. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for everything. And if you all want to spend more time with us, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at They Will Kill. You can go to our website, theywillkill.com. You can email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail.motherfucking.com. All spelled yeah. out. Just kidding. <laughs> if there's no motherfucking in it. <laughs> you can rate and review and subscribe to us. Also, you can do Please. those things. And we've been getting oh some God. lots of country, like other country reviews lately. Oh, and it's so which nice. we love. It's yes. so nice. You guys, I can't. Finland. I, can't, I think we got our first review from Finland, Shut which is amazing. Up. That's amazing. Um, some Canadians, some mm-hmm. Australians. Lots of we Canadians lately. Yeah. We see you. We love We're you. It's, you. It's so nice. It's such a nice thing to do for a podcast. I had no idea. It really is. But now that I know, thank yep. you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yep. Um, hey, thanks, AJ Bergans, for our music. Thank you so much. And remember. Um, does anybody else, when your phone updates and puts a new ass app on your phone, on your iPhone, if you're iPhone users, and it pushes all your little apps over one, mm-hmm. am I the only person that, mm-hmm. like that, I feel like I'm mm-hmm. being ruined like, your day? Gaslighted, like the actual movie. <laughs> Yes. You know, that Ingmar Bergman is in, where you push everything over a half of an inch yes. in the house yes. to make you go crazy. Yep. There was <sighs> something else that happened on this new update that did that similar. It was something similar, but yeah, no, I hate it. I'll actually it's, go it, back. There's a few apps that I have to have in the right spot. Same. Uh, it, like, breaks my brain, and so I have to put them back. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there are, like, four <laughs> apps that I, I use regularly. And so mm-hmm. I have to, they have to be two swipes in the right corner. Like, what the fuck, man? Right. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm like clicking on mm-hmm. some coupon app that I've never used, exactly. but thought I could try once. Yeah. Did not, do not consent. And meanwhile, Laura's like, we nope. got a new fitness app. Oh my God, the Peloton just in my automatic. And I was like, nope. I don't care about my <laughs> fitness. I want my shit where I left it when I wake up in the morning. I don't want it shifted don't by one me, entire iPhone. swipe. Yes. It's like when, <laughs> iTunes automatically put a YouTube album on all of our iTunes. Do you remember that? I was yes, like I do. 20 fucking 09. <laughs> I was so mad. So mad. Did not consent. Do not want you to touch my shit. I do not want you to care about my health, iPhone. Are you listening? IPhone? If you cared about my health, you would not fuck with my stuff. I got... <laughs> I'm just recently diagnosed. I'm trying to get on top of that <laughs> neurotic behavior, but give me yeah. a give me a boost. <laughs> Don't have to make this harder. Seriously. Oh my god, we love you guys. Yep. And we'll see you soon. We'll see you another time. See and you then. And also goodbye. then. Goodbye. Yes. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.